Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday morning. I just finished the season finale for the first season of Mad Men. Normally I watch the episode on a Wednesday or a Thursday and get the episode ready to go and launch it at midnight on Friday morning. But a lot of things have been going on. I haven't had a chance. I had a lot of work to do. Wasn't feeling good yesterday. Red Sox were in the playoffs. I went to see Halloween last night. So this morning before work is when I watched uh, today's episode. And I have a few minutes. I'd like to talk about it. This was a really good episode, and it really kind of set things up uh, for the next season. Now, I don't know if this episode or this season, I'd like to, I, I wonder, did they film this knowing they had a second season? I'm sure they already have storylines. You know, showrunners plan ahead so that they can present these things to networks, probably to help getting renewed. But uh, you, sometimes you wonder, do they go in with a contingency plan of what if we don't get renewed and this is the last one? Uh, so I, I, I often wonder how this one was produced and put together. It definitely was not, could not have been like a one-season series finale. I mean, this is something that has legs. There's a lot going on. Uh, but once again, we have no, no Roger Sterling. Uh, that guy Puck is in there instead, taking his place. He took the position, um, and he—I believe he brought people from Kodak in to get wowed on their new slide projector that has a wheel. That's the name of the episode: the wheel. Uh, and the whole time, like the wheel thing, worked in a few different ways for me. It was the wheel of time, you know, like, and it just the wheel keeps on turning and keeps on turning. These people's lives just keep on going and going, and you know the wheel keeps on spinning. But it was also specific to the uh, wheel that is the Kodak projector, which I remember. I don't. Know, I don't know if we had that exact projector. I just remember going to my grandparents as a kid and setting up the screen and setting up the slide projector. You had to get all your film developed as slides. I mean, what a what a hassle! What a hassle! And I remember even starting my job that there were slide scanners. I'm sure there still are, but you would take all these old slides, you put them in a slide scanner to digitize them. I mean, oh, these kids nowadays, you know, set up, they could they could take their pictures from their phone and beam them over to their television, beam them over. I sound like I'm watching Star Trek. But back in the days, we had slide projectors. And I think the some things were happening to Don Draper in this episode. They kind of led to him, first of all, nailing the, uh, the spot for the account, but also making him rethink his life. Uh, you know, essentially Don Draper is alone. He's, he's, he's Dick Whitman still. He's just on his own floating through life. Uh, early on in the episode, he goes into, uh, Cooper's office, Bird Cooper's office, and Cooper just kind of gives him a little, not a pep talk, but almost like a warning, like um, that the that the uh, guy from Mankins is not doesn't love the fact that Don is dating his daughter or seeing his daughter in some way, uh, and she was off to Paris for a few weeks, and Don had no idea, and he was like, and I think Bert assumed he would know because they, he knows there's something going on. 
Uh, and maybe Don thought he would know because he thought he was something he was important in her life. Uh, it, just last episode was the last episode, or yeah. Just in the last episode, he wanted to run away with her and uh, forget his wife, you know, forget his kids and just move on. This time he's like realizing that maybe she's not, she doesn't see him as uh, important as he sees her because she went on this big trip and didn't even tell him. I feel like that um, got him thinking. And then Peggy's friend came in all hysterical. Uh, I feel like that's a term they would use to, to, to uh, talk about women then. Oh, she's hysterical. She's in hysterics. She needs to see the psychiatrist. Or, um, she came in all upset because she, the phone bill wasn't being paid and she was nervous. She didn't want to let her husband know. And the phone bill was $18, uh, which means there were long-distance phone calls to Manhattan. So she called one and a woman answered the phone. What kind of woman answers her own phone? So she, she was suspecting or knew that her husband was cheating. She mentioned it to Betty, like, what, what, would, what should she do? And Betty's like, why would I know? And then Betty started suspecting all these late nights, you know, and maybe she was, was she being ignorant? Was she turning a blind eye? Uh, so she looks at, the, at her phone bill and calls one of the numbers. And who answers but her psychiatrist? Now she realizes Don and the psychiatrist have been talking, so that is out in the open. So later on, she goes to the psychiatrist and she's talking and she's talking about how she likes it and how it is good for her. And then she starts mentioning that how about her worries of Don's infidelity. And you see the doctor perk up and take notes. So you feel like that's going to get back to Don. And I don't think Don's going to be pissed about her talking about it. I think he's probably going to be more pissed at himself for either doing it or for doing it brazenly enough to get caught. Or maybe Betty's not even sure, and she's putting it out there as a way to see if he will confess or deny. And that's a confirmation for her. So maybe it's that. I like that better. But that, we didn't get any, uh, any closure on that. So that is something that's probably going to come up in the next season. Uh, but before she went in to... Uh, the psychiatrist's office, she did run into her the creepiest relationship on her show, her and Glenn. And she was like talking to Glenn, like, I can't talk to anyone else because I feel like Betty, sometimes I feel like she has the mind of a child. So she is talking with Glenn. She did not give him any hair this time, which was a, you know, a step up, but she did hold his hand. He he offered it to her and she kind of didn't didn't really follow up on this. Oh, he said, I wish I was older. And she's like, not that adults don't know what they're talking about, but I think he was trying to say, uh, baby, I wish I was older so that I could run away with you and I could cut your hair off and hold your hair every day of my life. Uh, but And it was also interesting that she said, um, I'm not supposed to talk to you. My mother said that and my father. The father's the guy who Betty ran into uh, when he was trying to get into the house that time. And... Neither of them want her to spend time with Betty Draper, and I have to tell you, I agree with them. Uh, but that was really it for Betty. Uh, the other stuff going on, so let's talk about Pete and Peggy. Pete has an account that he's bringing in. Uh, it's clear and he's getting it from his 
his father-in-law. He doesn't, at first he did not want to have help from his father-in-law, but it looks like he's taking help left and right. Got help with the apartment. Now the, the, later on, the, the in-laws are in the house trying to help with the paint. Um, they Now they're pushing him to have grandchildren. And he helps, he, he does help uh, Pete get this clearasol account. Pete comes into uh, Don's office to kind of impress, get impressed with him. And, you know, almost as if, hey, I'm sorry, you know, what I did to you never, I, you know, let's forget that. It's water under the bridge when I tried to sell you out to Bert Cooper. But Don was just like, oh, okay, that's, that's great. And he, Pete's like, it's important that I impress you, Don. And he's like, you did impress me. And so you think, oh, well, that's, that's nice. You know, let's forget about that for now. Uh, but Pete also, um, well, why don't, we, why don't we go right to the end with this one? So Don is you know, realizing that, uh, that Rachel is out of her life. Betty is sad that Don is, doesn't want to or isn't going to come to his family for thanks, her family for Thanksgiving. So Don is in his office, and he's probably just thinking about family in general. He looks through some old photos, and he decides to actually reach out to his brother, which he originally said he would never do again, so he calls the hotel, and the hotel manager has to tell him the bad news that that guy hung himself. And I think that shook Don big time. He looked at these old photos, and he realized that this part of his life really is gone and done, and the connection that he could have had, he will never have now. Um, but it doesn't mean it's too late for his family, right? So in the meeting for Kodak, he gives this great speech about the wheel and about these photos. And this isn't a, that he said, this isn't a spaceship because, you know, people are talking about, it looks like this newfangled technology. It's a time machine. And he's using, using real photos of Betty and the kids. And he goes, it's not a wheel. It's a carousel. And of course that's what it's called. The carousel. So Don came up, Don Draver is the man who came up with the carousel and he gives this beautiful speech and there's music playing. And um, I think it's the Harry or Harold or Henry. He um, he left the room upset. We saw earlier in the episode, he's living at the office. He's talking to his wife. So he obviously told his wife that he cheated on her with the secretary. And uh, he was guilty enough to tell her. And uh, he's still out of the house. But that seemed odd to him because he was probably thinking about his family. And when, the, when it was over, uh, the people in Kodak were just stunned and... The guy, Puck, was like, is right, Puck, Duck, whatever his name is, Duck. Um, he was like, uh, you, 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 good luck with your other meetings. They didn't even have the other meetings. They canceled it. They got the account, Kodak, all thanks to Don. And um, they're celebrating with drinks. And Don had this epiphany. And he looks at Pete and he goes, and hey, I have a great idea for you with Clearasil. Clarisil is really targeting teenage girls, trying to get blemish-free skin. And Pete's like, I agree with that. And I have the perfect copyright for you, Peggy. And he, he's like, you got to be kidding. I got to be, my, my father-in-law, he got to be taken seriously. He goes, well, Peggy, come in here. She goes, she's just a secretary. He goes, Peggy, you're now a junior copywriter. She was like all excited and, and uh, you know, couldn't believe it. she's got a promotion. She's no longer a secretary. Um... She's like, I'll do my sincere best. Shakes his hand. She's like, that is all. Pete is all pissy. So Don got, gave Pete some of his comeuppance, which is great because Pete and Peggy have a relationship. Pete, Pete slept with Peggy. Um, 
nothing much came of that except they really hated each other. Um, after that, they didn't get along. They saw each other twice. I'm guessing one of those times was probably about nine months ago, just based on certain things. Uh, so he goes home to his his apartment. He's all pissy, and he sees his wife, um, the great Alison Brie, and he sees his in-laws are there, and he's like, "Oh my God, they're everywhere!" And believe me, I know the I know the idea of, of in-laws being everywhere. Um, he they're like talking he just like kind of goes i need to go lie down or whatever i don't know what he needed to do but he just dropped his uh he dropped his coat and just walked off just like disgusted and that's good because sometimes you want to you feel pity for people other time most of the time you just want him to get what's coming to him and that's great and i'm sure well i'm not sure but pete had something else coming for him um in a beautiful bundle of a baby child. Uh, you see, uh, Peggy, right when she went over to uh, her new office, Joan brought her over to her new office. She was all excited. And she's like, I wasn't, I'm wasn't. i not really feeling good, though, so I'm going to go to the doctor. And she's getting stomach pain. She goes to the doctor, and these doctors are like, all right now, honey, Let's let's see. And like the doctor is such like just so dismissive to the nurse and to women in general. But he feels the woman's stomach. He's like, oh, it feels Peggy's stomach. He's like, I, I didn't realize you were expecting. She's like, what are you talking about? He goes, and he put his hand on the stomach. She goes, this is impossible. This is impossible. She tries to leave and she keens over in pain. And next thing you know, she had a baby. So my first thought was, oh my God, she's pregnant and she didn't realize it. No, no, she was so pregnant, so very pregnant, that she was full, she was full term because this baby was normal size, full baby, and she had no idea that she was pregnant. And I've I've heard of those things before. Uh, and I wonder if the relaxizer, <laughs> that thing, must have shaken that baby up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they. I think she did look at herself in the in the mirror once. I, I, I she she put on a little weight. Sometimes I looked at it. I go, is that is that real? Is that see? Is that like makeup? Some of the stuff under the chin didn't look real, and it definitely looked heavier than when the series the season started. So obviously this was all part of the plan because this was all part of of, of accompanying the story of Peggy not realizing all this time, being so innocent that she didn't even realize that she was pregnant. She showed no symptoms of anything, and then she had a kid. And when the nurse brought the kid in, she just turned away. You know, she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She has a baby. And she probably put, it sound, looked, to me, it looked like she was putting the baby up for adoption and didn't even want to connect, didn't want to hold the baby, nothing. Uh, and, I mean, that that's sad. I feel bad for her. I wonder how this is going to affect uh, the second season, which is right around the corner. So with all this stuff going on, Don being getting really nostalgic looking at his kids, realizing that his brother's gone, realizing that Rachel really isn't there for him. He is on the train home, and he goes into his house, and he's like, Honey, I'm coming with you to Thanksgiving. And the kids run up at home. He goes, Daddy's coming. And, and, and Betty smiles. And the kids smile, and then nothing. Why? Because that is what Don was envisioning. This is what he was hoping for. He was going to go into the house, tell them the great news, and everything was going to be happy, and he was going to have some fulfillment because he's going to have a family that loves him, and he realizes that. Instead, he goes into the house for real, and it's empty. They're gone. 
And uh, he just sits there on a step and he realizes, I'm alone again. Now, they're, they're only gone for Thanksgiving, but he's by himself. I don't know if he's going to go reach out to them. He's going to follow them. But, you know, he waited too long. And he was alone sitting there on the step as the show faded out. I wonder if every season is going to end with Don Draper just being alone. Because Doc, Don Draper, Dick Whitman, really, he's alone. That's what this whole show, I feel like, is. It's Dick Whitman, Don Draper, trying to find his place, trying to make his place. But every, but in, the, in reality, he's alone. Heck, even when he was in the Army, he had, a, he had one commanding officer, and it was just him. Like, none of this has been perfect for him. He's, he's found this perfect life. He's created this perfect life here. But even that isn't working for him as perfect as he'd like. His family doesn't fulfill him. His girlfriends don't fulfill him. His job fulfills him to a certain degree, but not all that much. Even, and when he does realize that his family means something to him, well, it's too late, and they're, they're off doing other things. So he doesn't fulfill them as much as they don't fulfill him. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm pretty good at this, huh? I mean, I don't know if I'm making it up as I go. I don't know if any of this is accurate, but this is my, uh, this is my thought. This is how I envisioned this. This is how I look at this first season of Mad Men. Can you believe it? We did it. 13 episodes of Mad Men. 13 episodes of Made Man. My friends, this is just the beginning. We have one season down. We have many seasons to go and just like with the kodak projector the wheel keeps on turning but it's not really a wheel it's a carousel this brings us around brings us on an adventure and home again and this adventure will continue next friday and i hope you come along with me as we start season two of my adventures in hopes to becoming a maid man also halloween was great go socks that's not experts